stay at home and protect lives. That's the clear warning from the health secretary, Matt Hancock, who says it's not a request, but an instruction. I folks, quick update for me on the campaign against coronavirus. I want every American to be prepared for the hard days that lie ahead. Finding faster ways to test people who may have the virus. A rude awakening for the country today, with the coronavirus crisis causing the biggest shock to the economy since records began. Hello and welcome to Corona Chronicles, SNS Online spin-off show that continues to touch base with a wide variety of people from all walks of life to talk about how the current situation is impacting them both professionally and personally, as well as offering a cup full of cheer, some top tips, up-to-date stats, and most importantly, to touch virtual base with a cheery hello. And without the need for hand sanitizer, I'm Nick Randall. The UK has fallen into its largest recession on record due to coronavirus in lockdown, contracting by over 20% between April and June in one of the biggest slumps of any major global economy. Household spending plunged as shops were ordered to close, whilst factory and construction output also fell. The recession, defined by six months of falling output in a row, is the worst since the 2008 financial crash. Well, with me on the line to talk about this is Professor Diane Coyle, CBE, former advisor to the UK Treasury, and Bennett, Professor of Public Policy at University of Cambridge. Uh, Welcome to the programme, Professor Coyle. How different do you think this recession compares to any previous one, either in living memory or once historically studied over the years? It's very different. First of all, in its severity, it's uh, the Bank of England said it was the worst for 300 years, never mind since the financial crisis. Mm. So it's very steep. And uh, the other difference is, of course, how it's come about, because this is a deliberate result of the government shutting down large parts of the economy to control the public health situation. So in both of those ways, it's quite unprecedented. And there's a lot of uncertainties and uncertainty actually about just measuring how bad it is, because the statisticians who collect the data and the means through which they collect the data, that's all thats all up in the air at the moment. Um, but we know it's pretty bad. Uh, and then there's great uncertainty about how we'll get out of this because so much depends on people's behaviour and what they think is going to happen not only to their jobs and their businesses, but also to health in the course of the pandemic over the next month. Mm. Do you think the government have done enough to minimise the impact on the UK's economy or were we always inevitably heading for this? There's there's no avoiding this and it isn't just the UK. This has happened in every economy. I think the government's actually responded pretty well. Um, They got the schemes going quickly. Lots of people have benefited from them and um, they have stopped the you know what would otherwise have been a catastrophic um, wave of business failures and increase in unemployment. The tough questions for the government actually lie ahead. There was no no issue about what needed doing, and again, every country has been doing something similar. The the difficult question is when do you start um, easing off these schemes? You know mm. when do you start bringing the furlough scheme to an end? Sure. When do you decide that some of the business loans that have been taken out are never going to be repaid and you let those businesses go? So that's the, that's the tough bit, and that's still ahead of us. I mean, of course, M&S have just announced they're to cut 7,000 jobs over the next three months. The withdrawal of furlough is going to hit many people hard, uh, and it's been suggested that the government's one-size-fits-all plan leaves many people out uh, in the cold. When do you think the worst effects will really start to bite post-furlough, and also potentially how long? It's a very patchy picture, 
because some sectors of the economy have been particularly hard hit. So, so far, that's um, retail and hospitality, and that's why things like the voucher scheme for your, your meals, um, your eating out scheme, um, is targeted at that particular sector. Mm. But it's also all of the performing arts, all of the live music, all of the theatres, so that has been catastrophically hit, and many are now saying they can't reopen until the new year. And that's not just you know, frivolity, that's actually a serious um, sector of the economy as well. Mm, the no. tourists who come into the UK and go, and, go into the theatre in London and elsewhere, it's a significant um, area of business too. Uh, and yet, on the other hand, lots of people um, in professional jobs in particular have been carrying on working from home. Mm. Their businesses are still going fine. And so we are seeing this um, very unequal um, uh, effect of the pandemic on um, what's happening to people's prospects. And of course, people working from home means that in towns and cities, uh, they're not getting that lunchtime traffic that they're used to, coffee shops, uh, clothes shops, etc. Yes, and I think we don't know how long that will go on because some employers are saying, or, or, you know, already you're not coming back into the office until the new year. Mm. Um, others are encouraging people to go back. And a lot of it depends not on what the government says or even what the employers say, but on people's degree of um, confidence in going out and catching public transport. Absolutely. How how does the UK compare with other nations? I mean, we know that Japan's economy shrank at annual rate at 27.8 in April to June, the worst contraction on record. Are any um, countries doing better? Is their sort of policy of dealing with it a little bit different to ours? I think you've got to take the health figures, the pandemic figures and the economic figures together. Yeah. And it's probably too soon to do these international comparisons because it could be that short term you get a boost to the economy if um, people go out and mingle once again. But if you look at the United States, what that's doing is increasing infection rates substantially. So they don't have control over the pandemic in in the US yet. And that will hit them again hard in terms of the economy and in people's behaviour. So I think it will take about a year or even longer to get the full picture of these international comparisons. So if you're a a social scientist, a researcher, Mm. it's actually going to be fascinating looking at this. Absolutely. But for all of us as as human beings, it's really not really not much fun, is it? No, no, not at all. is there anything else you think the government could be doing or, or we as a, as a nation could be doing to, to, to help minimise the impact of this? Well, in terms of minimising the impact, the thing to look at is the what's happening to people's jobs. Because if people don't have jobs and don't have money to spend, we're never going to get the economy to recover. Mm. The Chancellor understandably wants to bring the furlough scheme to an end to um, really get a handle on, on which businesses can survive this shock that they've already experienced. Um, But that means that supporting all those individuals and the schemes, um, for all that they came in very quickly and and were effective, haven't worked for everybody. So Mm. freelance people, for instance, haven't managed to get onto the schemes. Um, um, They should be looking, I think, at public sector employment schemes of different kinds to make sure that people who want to work can work through the autumn and into the winter. Professor Diane Coyle, thank you so much. My pleasure, thank you. Professor Diane Coyle, CBE there. And just to mention that her brand new book, Market, State and People, Economics for Public Policy, is now available. And now it's time for the latest world news relating to the pandemic on Tuesday the 18th of August, as we're recording. 
Marks and Spencer is cutting 7,000 jobs over the next three months across its stores and management. It said the coronavirus pandemic had made it clear there had been a material shift in trade. In-store sales of clothing and home goods were well below 2019, although online and home deliveries were strong. MS said it hoped a significant proportion of the cuts, about a tenth of its workforce, will be voluntary redundancy and early retirement. In a statement, MS said it was too early to predict with precision where a new post-COVID sales mix would settle. We must act now to reflect this change. France is to make face masks compulsory in most workplaces as it grapples with a resurgence in coronavirus cases. The new rule is likely to apply to all shared spaces in offices and factories where there is more than one employee present. The measure is set to begin on the 1st of September. Individual offices will be exempt. France has seen a sharp rise in coronavirus cases since July and masks are already widely used. Coronavirus is continuing its spread across the world with more than 21 million confirmed cases in 188 countries. More than 770,000 people have lost their lives. Cases of a disease are continuing to surge in many countries, whilst others which had apparent success in suppressing initial outbreaks are now seeing infections rise again. Latin America is the epicentre of the pandemic, according to the WHO. Brazil has the second highest number of cases in the world after the US and has recorded 108,000 deaths. Mexico has the second highest death toll in the region, with more than 57,000 deaths. Africa, South Africa and Egypt have seen the largest outbreak so far, with South Africa one of only seven countries in the world to record more than 500,000 confirmed cases. And the number of people who have died after testing positive for COVID-19 in India has now passed 50,000. The Education Secretary, Gavin Williamson, has criticised Ofqual in the continuing row over the handling of this year's exam results. Mr Williamson said the exam regulator for England didn't deliver what was promised. The government has now abandoned the much-criticised algorithm to decide A-level and GCSE results, reverting to teacher-predicted grades. Universities have said they may not be able to offer extra places for tens of thousands of students now hoping to go to their first choice. The Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, has confirmed that Public Health England, which has faced criticism for its handling of the coronavirus outbreak, will be replaced by a new institute focusing on preparing for threats such as pandemics. He said to give ourselves the best chance of beating this virus and spotting and tackling other external health threats now and in the future. We need to bring together the science and the skill into one coherent whole. The National Institute for Health Protection will have a single and relentless mission protecting people from threats to this country's health. Nail bars, outdoor pools and beauty salons will be allowed to reopen in Leicester from Wednesday in the relaxation of the local lockdown after a drop in COVID-19 cases, the Health Secretary has said. Although current restrictions on gatherings in private homes and gardens will remain in place, guidance for music venues and theatres to stay closed will be dropped. Making the announcement, Matt Hancock said, My gratitude goes out to the people of Leicester who have all made sacrifices to keep the virus at bay and protect their local communities. And finally, for many of us, face masks have become an essential part of everyday life thanks to the coronavirus. But regularly wearing one can have an unfortunate side effect. Mask-induced acne, or rather, maskne. According to dermatologist Angeline Young, the constant rubbing of the masks against our skin causes micro-tears, allowing easier entry for bacteria and dirt to clog up our pores. Also, breathing into a mask creates a hot and moist environment that leads to a build-up of sweat, oil and bacteria. 
Dr. Young says that the best way to combat maskne is to avoid thick skincare creams and suggests lightweight water-based products underneath the mask. A lightweight moisturiser can also act as an additional protective barrier and prevent chafing. So there's your top tip for today. And that's the news. Well, that's it for this edition. If you want to email us about anything at all, uh, the address is coronachronicleshow at gmail.com. Until next week, this is Nick Randall saying take care and look after yourselves. Goodbye. Goodbye.